Crescendo Studio presents The Way Through. In this series, we interview established players in the New Zealand music industry to find out what they do, how they do it, and how they can help emerging musicians and producers on their way through. This podcast was funded thanks to Recorded Music New Zealand. This is part two of our conversation with Greg Haver. Greg was speaking about the power of learning to network. Because ultimately, that ability to network is is one thing that will really help with the industry, whether it's going out and getting funding from an organization mm. or or sort of like persuading a promoter to put you on the bill or all these things that kind of require a certain degree of social interaction. And and if those are skills that, that we can sort of help and teach with, yeah, that's a really important thing to be able to do. Yeah, and I guess that's one, one of the things that kind of worries me about in the box. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I don't like it. I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm in the box every day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you were talking about being in studios earlier and like that interaction between uh, drummer and engineer and, you know, producer and uh, record label and you know, like that's kind of a, almost like a sad to see that that form has kind of shrunk because everybody's not so introverted, but more kind of just, you know, they, they stick to their own. Yeah, but I mean, there are other outlets that we didn't used to have, you know. Mm. You can have a song go viral on TikTok, or you can have, you know, there are, there are other things that sort of like, not only really make up for that, but they give the, it's just being agile with the way the industry works. Yeah. You know, I mean, I made a conscious decision in the records that I make now several years ago. Is that what do I want to do moving forward with, I think after a couple of sessions where I particularly didn't enjoy them very much, I'm like, why am I doing this? So I've made a conscious decision to go back to working on things that I'm. I felt good about the work that I'd done. That I've done, mm-hmm. you know, ensembles of musicians in a room. You know, like yeah. like the band I use for sessions yeah. in New, in New Zealand. They're all great producers. You know, Joel Monholm, Tom Healy, Steve Small. You know, Marie Hodgson, Mark Hughes. It's like they're all. You could put any one of those in charge of a session, and they would sound great. Yeah. So so then it's just a question of like, you get. 20 ideas for everything you know because everyone's bringing tons of ideas in so you just become a filter for those ideas mm. and also it gives me a chance to be in the room with them as a musician because mm. i started as a musician and i thought i'd like to revert rather than just working with lots of bands just work with more solo artists where i can be in the room and yep. be a musician again and kind of reclaim that mantle of being as a musician yeah you know and and get a chance to play drums with some amazing people yeah. So so it was just, you know, and I ended up making a lot of records that I really enjoy again. It's like, all oh, right, I've kind of reclaimed a bit of what I felt I'd lost, yeah. you know, from just trying to pursue a career and just like making any any record that came, you know, if I felt it was, you know. But it was always a balance. You know, you, you look at some records and they pay really well financially and some that don't. Yeah. And so you, it's that Robin syndrome. You kind of want to work with those big artists because they'll generate. You can, you know, bring in some income to help work with artists who don't have the budgets. You know, yeah. and you can balance it all mm. out. So, but but sometimes you take on those big records and they become a really interesting experience. You know, so it's like, and often they're the ones that generate the income that means you can yeah. afford to get to my stage where you have that freedom. So, so it's you just got to weigh it all up. You know. And 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 how you know how you budget for things, what you charge people, you know, how much you want to do something, how difficult you think it's going to be. But I do appreciate that that being a producer now is a very different process to what it was when I started becoming a producer. Mm-hmm. But the industry evolves so quickly, 
you kind of need to be agile. Like I, what I'm saying is really, I'm, I've chosen not to be agile yep. because I, I know the field I want to work in, yep. but I have that privilege to be able to do that. Mm. Young producers who are just starting in the industry, they need that level of agility. And it might mean they produce for some of the time, then they play on other people's records some of the time. They engineer a bit, they might want to set up a label or something, you know. Mm. And it's like, and, and I see that within the kind of hip hop community. There's a lot of like entrepreneurial, yeah. entre, entre, entrepreneurship, is that the right yeah. word? <laughs> you know, it's and, and that's really cool. It's like, you know, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get a clothing line as well. And that'll give me some income so yeah. I can make a record. And it's yeah. like, and that's really admirable because that's that's going back to what I was saying about logistics and yeah. thinking through the process. Yeah, and it's like, okay, yeah. yeah. And having not been an entrepreneur much in my life, I really admire that because yeah. it's like, all right, you, you see that it's not just a simple process of going in, making a hit record and becoming Kanye, you know? Yeah. You're like, yeah. You, you, it's not, it doesn't, that doesn't happen. You know, it's yeah. like winning the, that level of success, like winning the lottery yeah. and being real good. There is no, like I often use the analogy, it's like if you're a building, you build a wall. It stays up. It's a good wall. If it falls down, it's a shit wall. Yeah. Right? That isn't the music industry. It's all gray areas. <laughs> yeah. It's all sort of like interpretive. It's like, that's a great record. Someone else, that's a rubbish record. It's like, so who's right? Well, no one's right and no one's wrong. It's the music industry. It's art. Mm. It's creative. It's like, no one's right and wrong. So you have to navigate that whole field of, you know, and, and so that's why it's really important that producers say true to their own beliefs and trust their own instincts because you will get input from tons of people for everything you ever make some of your friends will say it's rubbish i always encourage people to go outside their friend groups mm -hmm. and try and get in, in, input from people they don't know well everything i've learned and kind of upskilled in in a way is through collaborating with as many artists as i could yeah. and, and even outside of my genre as, as well because yeah. you learn something from every session yeah that's right whether it's good or bad the bad things I've actually found be more beneficial than the good things mm -hmm. session that falls over that goes horribly wrong for me it was you the will, hard things yeah, yeah you will yeah. never you'll never do that you'll never you'll swap those mistakes coming yeah and it's um, you know going back to that session I was telling you about earlier about where I stood on the masters yeah th one of those days the, the, the morning I was so stressed out on one of those ses the ses sessions I ended up like curled up in the fetal position in the corner of the drum booth crying like a baby it was <laughs> no. that stressful yeah right? and, I'm, and, I, and as i was crying like a baby in the corner of the drum booth in like some in the, this beautiful studio in the netherlands and it was like i how did i get into this position mm. like my man you know i had a manager it was like you know it's like, actually to be fair to steve but my manager he said this manager this this guy's going to be a problem yeah so don't worry steve i know how to deal with people it'll be fine next thing i'm I'm crying like a baby yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like maybe listen to people who advise you which is always good you know ultimately it's kind of like right i'll never be in that position again i've not you know because i've spotted where those problems and that came out of trying to walk that line between a label wanting to have the artist work in this direction and the band wanting to be in a different direction mm. and there's you can't really reconcile that mm. so i've been in that position since then but being able to sort it out and what i've done is i will go and sit with the label and you know i remember one particular example i sat in, in the label's office in prague and i was like okay you seem to have a different vision to what the band want to do so you play me some music and tell me what you really want to hear and then he, they played me a lot of music and we sat there for like three hours and talked about it and discussed it and listened to stuff mm -hmm. and in the end it was like 
you know what you want. It's exactly the same as what the band want. You yeah. just don't know how to communicate it properly. Yeah. So it was like, it was a really interesting experiment because I thought I'm going to probably walk away from this. It's going to be too much trouble. I'm going to be end up in the corner of the drum booth again. And it wasn't, it was just communication. They couldn't communicate properly about what they wanted to do. Mm. And when you, it's like, there was this revelation, oh man, everything you play me is exactly what the band would have played me. So it's just like, it's easy. They, yeah. They'll just do that. Yeah, and it was great, and the record was great. So, you were producing that, hmm, yeah. So that's really interesting. I'd like to kind of ask more about that. So you started playing music in bands. You became a session drummer out of you know getting good at that. So I really got I really went off topic on your original question no, no, about no, my career. No, no, that's but, cool yeah, because yeah. it's it's a great way to to get into it actually. And then you started kind of engineering, producing. Well, weirdly, I actually went through the songwriting process first. So. I'd, 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 I was playing in bands and then I'd, I started doing, I'd kind of learned the process of engineering by default. Um, when, when the first Fostex 16 trap machines came out, keyboard player from Wales, who I, who I, uh, who I was at school with actually bought a 16 track and we kind of learned, there were no SAEs or anything. So we kind of learned on this 16 track. And uh, so I kind of had a basic idea of kind of how the engineering side of it worked. But really, I kind of, I, I did some damn, this, the band Waterfront I was telling you about had hit in the States. I ended up writing some songs for the second album with with the, the singer and the guitarist had a bit of falling out. So I ended up writing a lot of songs with the singer that ended up on the album. So I ended up with this publishing deal with the MI Music. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like, well, maybe I could be producer by being a songwriter. But eventually what happened was... Um, I ended up getting divorced and had to, because I knew engineering, I got a job at a studio and ended up buying that studio because <laughs> it, it was going bankrupt. And me and a, a, a friend of mine, we went in and bought the studio. And we, <laughs> I, I suppose I can tell you the figures now. I mean, we bought the studio for £8,000 or $16,000. Took over the lease, paid off the back rent. They hadn't, they were, you know, they, like, they were going under. Within three years, we had 1.2 million record sales from that recording studio. And we eventually sold the studio because it was compulsory purchase as part of a redevelopment plan for like a hundred and eighty thousand pounds mm. in two and a half years. All right. So, so by the work we put in during that time, yeah. and we were fortuitous in the fact that the whole area was getting redeveloped. But they came to us with an offer, and we were like, "Why well, on a second? One point two million record sales. That's a lot of that's a lot of business." Wow. So we had to make a case. It took four or five years to do it. We had to make a case for like why the music industry was a valuable. Um, part of society yeah I, I would literally be sitting across the room from like sort of uh, accountants and they was like you know you're 40 years old you, you know why, haven't you got a proper job yeah. yet kind of thing <laughs> and it was like you know so you know uh, that was the kind of level of kind of like ignorance about how the important the music industry was it's, that's every Polynesian musician's experience yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was like so so we actually literally make a legal case of why yeah, our that our industry was as valid as if it was any other industry. If they were compulsory purchasing a, a butcher shop or a shoe shop, mm. it's like we're just a business like anyone else. And you know, this is this is you know when I've looked into research here about you know the recognition the music industry is as a valuable um, sort of like small you know lots of musicians are small businesses as opposed to like the arts. You know, when you when you try to talk about you know how important creativity is and music you know i went for all that case in wales in the 90s you know we had to prove that we were that we were worth it and we made the case and we won 
Wow. So, and we got a good conversation and we re-spent most of it on a record label, you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we put it all, as classic musicians, we put a lot of it back in and set up a record label and, you know, we had, we had, a, we had quite a few successful records. We had a, a singles club that we funded through Sony and so it was like, yeah, it was, it was, but making that case was was kind of important but anyway going back to your question yeah it was it was kind of i came through the songwriting part and then sort of um yeah and then and then eventually by buying the studio and working on lots of successful records you know we had the foot in our first year two of our the records they were nominated for brit awards one of them won it and um so you end up it's that right place at the right time thing mm-hmm. you know we i'd been working as 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 you know i became an engineer by default i never wanted to be an engineer but i learned how to do it and 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 became an engineer ended up engineering these successful records and then producing some of them and then i got a manager and then my manager said mm-hmm. like, hey bro do you want you know do you want to wouldn't be hey bro it's steep yeah mate 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 do you want to go to new zealand <laughs> that was 20 years ago and, and then i got here and everyone's like well no one ever comes back and I'm like, well, I'm still here. Twenty years later, yeah, yeah, still. yeah. But, but yeah. So it's it all goes. You know, you, you don't know where the where your path is going to go. It's not. It's, there isn't a sort of direct path through. How do you become a successful musician? Yeah, you can't answer that question. That's right. Yeah. You just like, you just go from. You know, you 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 just get good. And then you just kind of like follow that path and the way, you know, whether that path leads you, Yeah. you know, there's a musician that I, that I, that, you know, that we catch up every now and again, who was like, I literally used to go and watch him play in like sort of pubs in Cardiff. Now he's like, yeah, now he's Pino Palladino. This is Pino Palladino, one of the world's most successful bass players. I literally used to go and watch him play in pubs on Sunday afternoons, you know? And now he's like recognized as one of the greatest bass players that ever did on the <laughs> instrument. You don't, I never, I'm sure when he was playing in pubs in Cardiff, he never thought he would, he'd reach that status. Yeah. But you just like, people come out of strange places. You don't have to be from London, Nashville, New York, LA yeah. to be successful. Yeah. You can, you can, you can be, you know, you can be sick drums yeah. out on the West Coast. You can be like, you know, Seth got the waves down in Napier or whatever. You know, you just don't yeah. know. You know, if you're creating good music, yeah, that can come from anywhere, and even more now in a global environment. You know, and and that pioneering done by kind of like the hip hop community, like guys just working working on beats in sort of wherever. You know, NMC down in down in down in sort of uh, Nelson. You know, amazing stuff coming from like anywhere. Yeah. You know, a 15 year old Cook Islander using a PlayStation to make beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sort of <laughs> like Flynn Cranston down in Christchurch. You know, it's like 15 years old. It's like yeah. You know, get a call from the oh, yes. the MPG yeah, from yeah, from his yeah. dad. You know, yeah. sort of like, what do we do now? You know, we've, yeah. we've got this really successful record in the states, and it's like, and I, you know, great. Okay, speak to this person, this person, yeah. this person. You know, Joshua Monadio with Jason Derulo. Yeah, I mean, it's this is the crazy <laughs> industry. You know, classic example of like flaming hoops jumping through them. Yeah. Everything falling into place. I love that analogy, the flaming hoops. Yeah, yeah, it's just like think about you know, like I, I one of my conversations with Ashley Page about that you know because he he came on board to try and sort out some of the Derulo stuff and everything, and it was like it's like so many things to sort out, but I mean just everything fell into place. Yeah, you know, yeah. and there will be a, thousands more records like that that just you know, but there will be tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of records that don't yeah, have those you know right. so you've just got to like like you said what you can do is do what you do do it well and just hope the flaming hoops you yeah, know yeah. hope you keep <laughs> jumping through the hoops you know it's like yeah i wish i could give better advice to young musicians how you be successful it's like 
let me tell you a flaming hoop story. Well, you know? you you've, you kind of already have, you know, at least for someone like me who can, you know, relate to some of your your stories that you're telling and also, you know, how you get into your career, your, you know, into the music is understanding that sometimes we're not going to be down the path that we you can be set off on. You, you can know, be strategic, yeah. right? You can make strategic decisions. Like one example, this is a bit of a weird example, but so when I when I signed with the MI Music Publishing, which came out of the studio, the things we were just discussing, right? So so I had some songs on this Chris Duffy solo record and EMI. I just approached, I thought, I'm, I'm talking to EMI Music every day. I'm sending the demos that we're working on. I'll just chance my hand. I'm like, do you want to sign my publishing? Yeah, okay. So, oh, God, mm. that was easy. <laughs> you know, so I ended up with a publishing deal with EMI. So the first thing they sent, they sent me was, so I would just, I just got a brass neck. I thought, what have I got to lose? If they say no, I'm, I'm in the same position. I've still got, I own my own publishing. You know, I, I've still, I'm, you know. And they were like, yeah, great. So here's an advance, whatever. So, mm. And um, the first thing they sent me was like um, a load of lyrics, right? But these were the lyrics for like, the, the, for a Simpsons album. Right, mm. and it's like, oh, The Simpsons. I like The Simpsons. It's that new cartoon thing. This is like early nineties. Yeah, on uh, you know, on Fox or whatever. So there was three sets of lyrics, right? So I thought, so I read through the lyrics, and one of them was written by Matt Groening. All right, so I thought, right, if there are three sets of lyrics, Matt Groening is the creator of The Simpson. There's more likely they're going to use his lyric than use anybody else's. Yeah. So I'll concentrate on this one song here. So I demoed up this song and because EMI had gone out to um, all their songwriters. Fox and Geffen want a song that was um, not written by an American artist. And bearing in mind that like on that same album, there was like CNC Music Factory, Prince, George Clinton, um, Linda Ronstadt. It was like, like this is crazy. I yeah. thought... What have I got to lose? And 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 I know a lot of the writers. They they kind of like they just because this this song had twelve verses, right? And it was like they they would do like a, a chorus and a verse just to get the idea. I thought I'm going to do the whole demo. I spent a week doing this demo for this song, right? The whole thing, all twelve verses, the whole stuff. Brought mates into work on it. Just got this whole thing together, and sort of sent it off. Thought nothing of it. Thought at least the publisher will be happy. The next thing I know is like Fox call from the states oh you know we we like this do you want to come over and work on the record like come and record it mm. and it was like so i made a huge decision i thought well if i work on the mac grading track there might be a chance i'll get it I ended up getting the record and having a song on a simpsons record and what i did is transferred all the demo stuff over to multi-track and just like pretty much the demo is what is on the final record mm. So it was like you know I ended up going to the, the states working with all the all the actors and working with Matt and and you know in, in this crazy world it's like so I'm standing in like Capitol Studios in LA in like ninety two wow. and somebody comes in and goes uh, oh hi you know so I'm just here to work on the thing I'm so oh, so what are you doing so oh, I'm Nancy I'm the voice of Bart Simpson I'm like, this is really, <laughs> and she said who are you and I said oh I'm just nobody I'm just some guy yeah. from Wales. <laughs> So you, you, I was in this ridiculous situation, where like surrounded by multimillionaires, kind of working on this record, mm. and um, yeah, and it was like, it, but it came down going back to you know the reasoning. You look at the circumstances in front of you, and it's like you make some decisions. So you maybe don't control the flaming hoops, but you can kind of like you can direct yourself towards the hoops yeah. by making certain decisions. Yeah. Is, is this the right person to work with? Is this person going to be wasting my time? Yeah. Is this person driven themselves? Because mm. that's the that's a really important one. Like you look at somebody and say, 
you know, because all the artists I know that have been super successful are really, really driven. You know, mm. they will like make lots of sacrifices. And the same with young engineers and producers. The yeah. ones that do well are the ones that will make a lot of sacrifices in their own lives to to pursue the career. Yeah. So you want to partner with people who have the same drive yeah. as you if you have that drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, I've known some people who are really talented, and but they just waste their talent. And it's like they just, they, they haven't got that, you know, that yeah. real drive yeah. to, to, to do it. And, you know, and then you, then you work with someone who's kind of like, who's got it. And you're like, oh, wow, you can see why. I remember when I, when I worked with, with Mel C on her record, I did produce an album for Melanie in sort of, um, in 2004. And like, she came in that first day in the studio, like, knew all the lyrics she'd already been to like the gym to her acupuncturist to her vocal yeah. coach and this is like 11 a.m right yeah and like knew all the lyrics had worked out all the backing vocals just like complete it's like oh my god i can see why you were like you've sold 40 million albums yeah, you know yeah, yeah. it's like the level of like of, of of just just you know drive and kind of like organization and it's like it's like yeah okay i can see it now yeah. you know yeah it's easy to kind of oh why are they successful and then you meet people who are at that level of success yeah and you're like shit yeah i need to up my game yeah yeah yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, it's, it's, um, and I, I learned a lot just from just like seeing also what i didn't want to be i thought i could never be that person i could never be surrounded by you can't go anywhere do anything yeah. that's not for me i want to just be in the guy in the back of the room just like playing drums or you know yeah doing the records well that yeah. drive was what will kind of like help steer them towards you know like other hoops like yeah, the, yeah. the hoops don't have to be linear; they can be, you know, in other directions. This whole hoop analogy yeah. is like, yeah, it's I love it. You know, <laughs> but it's that you know, you you can spot it. You know, you, like me and Clint Murphy had this thing we'd call the thing, right? Which is if if we get young sort of uh, trainees coming in to work in the studio, you know, assist to assist us on the sessions. It's like have they got the thing? You know, it, they'd be are they the first person in, the last person out? Mm. Are they like? really attentive but really super yeah. quiet as well yeah. so they're there when you need them and 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 not there you know not there where you don't when you don't need them there's there's this young kid that um when we worked on Melanie's record again that we we called him jimmy snare jimmy robertson right he was he was house engineer at maloco studios and like he was the first person in you'd go in and everything's set up the coffee's on the mics are all turned on everything's set up for the day so like, wow this, yeah. this kid's amazing like and and so when we moved studios we actually hired him and took him with us yeah for the session and we called him jimmy snare because it's like here is here's like three or four hard drive sort of snare samples can you can you sort a few things for you out for us came in the next day everything's catalogued everything's organized wow you know you can access everything it's like yeah. oh man this kid is amazing and now he went on to be a really successful producer work on Florence and Machine Records and lots of really great records because mm. he had the thing yeah. he had the drive and he, yeah. and he was really you know you want that level of sort of commitment out of people because mm -hmm. studio is a hard environment mm -hmm. and you can't just come in and go oh I've got to meet my me, me mates at four o'clock so yeah. That's, we're only halfway through the day. We're going yeah. to be here till 10, 11, 12 o'clock tonight. Yeah. You can spot pretty early if you got that. And, and you know, whether that's being a musician, an artist, um, or, or an engineer or producer, you know, you, it requires that level of commitment. You know, you really need to put the, put the time and the hours in. You know, if it was only 10,000 hours, we'd be fine. Yeah. You know, you're looking at like, I just look at my tape boxes at home, crates full of stuff. It's like, there's like hundreds of thousands of hours of studio time just in a box. Yeah. And there's probably four records in that box that have been successful. Yeah. But that's, those are the odds you've got to, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. you've got to, you've got to be looking at. And it's, uh, no one ever said it was easy, 
but it's an amazing journey to get there, yeah. you know, and it's like, and I think you've got to appreciate the fact that it's not a normal job, but the rewards for it, not just, not necessarily financially, but sort of just as, as a, you know, a legacy or sort of, or, you know, who doesn't want to spend time making music? I mean, it's like, if you don't enjoy it, there are better jobs to be doing. Mm. So it's, um, you know, I think you've got to ask those questions. Is it really for me? Mm. And I think a lot of musicians and artists and producers, they think it's for them until you, the rubber hits the road. And it's like, man, this is really hard. Yeah. You know, but you just keep going and keep going and keep going. At some point, if you've really got that drive, there's a pretty good chance at some point your paths will cross to somebody who can really benefit your, you know. So I wish there was a better, there was a a path that there isn't. It's the it's the yeah. stone wall thing, you know. Yeah. It's just like, you know, there is, there is not, it's not a stone wall, you know. It yeah. is a, uh, it is a, yeah, anyway. Well, I think like one thing that's really quite interesting that you've explained and what we're trying to kind of get out of these podcasts is exposure to what a long career of multiple steps looks like it's rather than people just going i just want to be like the hottest producer making beats for everybody like you know that that's my game plan or i just want to be like a hit songwriter mm. i mean that's a noble yeah drive, yeah totally yeah but but within that there are a lot. I mean, you could be the first beat you make, the first song you write, could be like a ma you know, could be massive, mm. go viral on TikTok or whatever. Yeah. Then it's actually a, a re then the whole the hard stuff happens after that. How do you repeat that? Yeah. So you almost want it to be a long climb up the hill, and then you reach the peak. Yeah. Rather than you get dropped off by a helicopter at the top <laughs> of the hill, and you, then it's like you know, it's 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 you know, where's where do you where's left to go from there? Yeah. So I I I've all you know I'm very comfortable with the fact that it t it took a long time. You know I'm I'm probably never going to win a Grammy in my career unless I get some amazing turnaround or you know, and I'd love to have achieved some of those things. But then you think, oh man, I've had a whole life making music. It's like, am I like not the luckiest person alive? You know, I live in a beautiful country. You know, I came here to make a record and met my wife here. It's like, it's like you know, my life's pretty damn easy. Mm. You know, it's like. You know, I live in Tirangi with me and uh, Jackie and the cat, and I have a lovely life. And it's and I make records in between and do things that. So it's like I certainly can't have any complaints. But you know, and it's, but it's not always been easy. There's been lots of really tough years, like financially. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it, and they're hard thing, hard holes to drag yourself out of. I was only yeah. thinking last night yeah. about like early '90s. It was quite like really tough financially, and and I was just thinking, you know, literally what what am I going to do? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? And like the, I heard the letterbox go and I opened up a thing and it was like, there was like a check for like several thousand pounds from like um, some, uh, some old records that I'd worked on that they, there was, there'd been a European directive where you had to pay. It's like a, um, a bit like sort of direct to artist fund from recorded music, New Zealand's mm -hmm. PPR mm -hmm. payments. So I literally like, I was in despair. And then all of a sudden, because of music, I'd done some money arrived on the doorstep. And that, you know, it got me out of a hole. And it's like a lot of it was hand to mouth like that. Yeah. It's like, well, how am I going to pay? All oh, right, great. This job's come in. I'm going to take that. And it's like, so, you you know, it's not all being kind of like, you know, it's kind of a diary of a working musician rather than a kind of like superstar producer kind of thing. Yeah. It's like you don't have to be Richie McCora, Dan Carter to be a successful rugby player. Yeah. You know, you can be a good, solid kind of second rower, you yeah. know, or sort of like sort of, you know, sort of unsung hero, just yeah. kind of, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, 
or or like most of the super rugby players you know good amazing players but you know probably might never be internationals mm-hmm. doesn't mean to say they're not valid part of the rugby community so that core of producers most producers will just have to make a career for themselves Mm -hmm. and not rely on you know one or two big successful records so yeah so i think you know it's all right to be that kind of like journeyman jobbing producer you know i'm the ultimate kind of producer journeyman i i had this idea of my like micro careers where you kind of and 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 ended up being kind of that how i how i worked is i'd go i'd come here for like maybe a month or two a year i'd go to ireland for maybe a month go to like the netherlands and greece and czech republic i still work in the czech republic quite a lot and it's like you add all those up you filled your whole europe full of work it may not be working on you know the new coldplay record but it's pretty good solid work that, yeah. that that pays well and it gives gives me a career and i and i always i'm always convinced if you can say to somebody i'm a professional musician or i'm or i'm, or I'm a music producer and you put that on your immigration forms that's a really massive thing mm. that's how do you define success if success is your career is defined by what you do so you know if it says music producer or musician on your passport man that's 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 something that's, that's something how many yeah. people get a chance to do it yeah you know, my, my, my wife my wife wrote a book you know and it's like you know it's, it's a great great little great little read and it's kind of you know but you know you obviously you write a book you want to be on the bestseller list don't you mm. it's like i'm like to how many people write a book like literally i would never write a book it's like you know you wrote a book you know, or like you said to an artist, you made an album and you can look back in 20 years and go, wow, I made an album. Yeah. You know, that's not many people get a chance to do it, you know. And so, so it's like, you know, you should never under, underestimate those little, the little moves that you make. They might not be kind of like, you know, this is where the, the pressure of social media comes into it. It's like everyone judges themselves on the best when really you should judge yourself on your own, what you've achieved yourself. And you know, and and within your world, I'm, you know, can I can I put food on the table? Can I pay my bills? Can I sort of, is, you know, do I have I, got people around me that love me? You know, there all these things. When you get to sixty past sixty years old, these are the important things. Yeah. As opposed to like, I wanna I wanna win a Grammy. I wanna sort of mm. you know I want I wanna be the best beat maker in the world or whatever. And then you know you just you've just got to be kind of realistic sometimes that maybe that path to the Grammy is not yours mm-hmm. but you you got to aim for it you know it's that it's that it's that I think it's, I think it's Milton the quote about sort of you know it's better to aim high and uh and, and not reach yeah, yeah. Not reach your goal than to aim low and reach easily you know yeah 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 so I think you always got you always got to aim to be the best yeah but it's like you know it's the journey to get to get you there yeah. not the end in itself yeah. you know? and for me the journey has been amazing you know i've yeah. done incredible things i've traveled the world and cra- you know done crazy stuff and it's mm. like you know it's i could it's, it's a terrible thing to say but if i got hit by a bus tomorrow which i have no intention of being hit by a bus <laughs> i would be very content that you know that I had had a really interesting, enjoyable career, you know, and an interesting, enjoyable life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also felt that twenty years ago. Mm. So I felt that everything since then has been a been a bonus. Yeah, it's like wow, twenty. You know, I've, 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 last twenty years has been incredible. I've been here. I've you know, I've got remarried. It's like I've had to done some make some amazing records, and it's you know. So you just you just you just yeah. you know you just make of your life what you can, and you know I I appreciate that I you know had a good upbringing. You know, my life's been fairly easy as far as, you know, 
secure family environment and everything. And, I, and not everyone's as lucky as me in that respect. So it's, um, you know, I do appreciate it's not always easy for everybody, but, you know, you, you can, to some degree, you kind of make your own luck and you, mm-hmm. you just get really good at what you do. And then you, the, back to the hoops. Yeah. You know, you sort of like, you know, I will just put myself in a position to, <laughs> yeah. to do it. But I mean, you know, to, to, just to come back to you on, on, on a question, you know, it's like what you do here, you guys do here is like super important. Right. So it's like, do you feel that an organization like Crescendo is more important than, than just trying to pursue success in the industry? Because I would say that anything that uplifts other people is, is more important than what you can achieve yourself. Mm. You know, and, I, and I, I think it's, I mean, I'm sure as a producer, you'd like, you'd like a Grammy, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of cut from a different. Cloth it's all right. To, it's all right it's, to say yes. It, it, it's, it's you know, it, it's completely yeah, all right sure. to say yeah. Yeah. You know, because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. yeah. But you know, is that the most important thing? Mm. You know, if you had the choice of like, I can uplift up, uplift a lot of young producers and really help yeah. them, or win a Grammy. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's like yeah. it's a tough. It's a t- you know, I don't think there's a right answer. I think it's a tough one. Yeah. I think ultimately, I've not won a Grammy. But I feel that the work that I found that some of the most satisfying thing I've done, like at the end of like an Amps Day or a Song Hubs Day or something, and you see that the benefit that people get out of it, yeah. it's like, oh, that's a feeling I've not felt. Mm. That's like, you know, you feel, oh, right. I feel that's, that's, I would wager that's a more satisfying feeling than, yeah. I don't know. I'll have to ask some friends who won Grammys. With the work but, that we do here, it's like, yeah, we, we just want to, well, personally, like I just, I enjoy working with the, the new, younger artists because the way that they like to explore music like the ignorance is almost bliss because everything is amazing to them and that's an inspiration um you know but the the grammy thing is is like like i said for me it's like i'm my focus is not the grammy my focus is making grammy worthy music exactly yeah because you, know, you can't control the grammy yeah because that's flaming yeah. hoops again yeah but all you can do is put the make the records that 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 of a quality that can uh, yeah that would in 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 contention would stand a shot yeah so yeah yeah it's yeah. it's like and it's all right to be the og i've quite in, embraced that kind of industry gray beard og kind of yeah, thing yeah because yeah. it's like you know it's there's a bit of like respect yeah. and it's and it's very gratifying that people think that they can look up to you and think you know that you've done something that's good mm. you know yeah. i had a really interesting sort of like Sort of revelation a few weeks ago my my niece came over from wales my first ever visit out from my family um to new zealand and i realized that my niece is in the same age as all the people i work with <laughs> and all the people i know all my friends are all the, so it's like oh so gosh she's getting really well with all my friends all oh, right they're all the same age as her mm. you know i don't have a lot of friends my own age maybe mark de young at parachute that's it that's it you know and it's like really everyone i know is you know you get older but everyone you know stays the same age yeah so you know this is why that multi-generational thing with production is important why you kind of like being a producer you can work across all those different generations you know i've had so many artists you know i've worked with over the years have been you produced my dad's band in 1992 you know yeah i've yet to have you produce my grandfather's band yeah, that yeah. will happen at some point <laughs> but you know it's it's like oh wow i've been around a while you know and it's like you know that's a lot of knowledge you can pick up in that time and that's the knowledge you can pass pass on so mm. it's um you know you should never underestimate that 
knowing the feeling of like you know you've benefited a lot of that's going back to legacy again mm. you know already what you guys have done here you know you're leaving a legacy for like a whole generation of producers mm. and, and musicians and and that's um you know that's, that's super valuable yeah there's definitely a buzz in passing on little gems when you yeah. when you when you know how it's gonna hit as well when you're like Ah, they want to know what reverb is. Yeah. <laughs> and the more, Finally, let me let yeah. me explain and just watch yeah. mine like, just go. Yeah. Poof, yeah. You know, and the more you unpack it, the more you get to understand it yourself. You know, and the deeper your understanding yeah. is, because yeah. you know it's it's like you always need that bit more knowledge than the people yeah. you're teaching, and it's and, like and that's another um, part of advice that I give to producers as well, as to like when you're working with the artists, is like, you know, talk them through your process. Because, you know, like you're explaining it to them and once again deepening your understanding of it. See, that never used to be a thing, you see. Mm. Like producers used to be very, like prior to YouTube and prior to like like social media and the sort of like democratization of like creativity, producers used to keep things pretty close to their chest. I I had had um, an old friend of mine who I want not name, but, you know, who's passed away, um, who was like, he he would program his synths, but he would put like books around them, <laughs> so you couldn't see what he was doing, because he wanted to keep all his secrets, you know. Yeah. And you know, and 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 there was a lot of retention of of ideas that, that yeah. nobody wanted to pass it on because what if that young kid let, knows my shit, yeah. and then he's that he's nicked all my ideas, and now he's getting all my gigs. Yeah, and there was definitely that. But now you've got to because everyone can learn everything all the time. Yeah. It's like you have to pass on the information, then go and learn some new stuff yourself. Mm. So ultimately, you know, for humanity, it's a much better approach. Mm. So it's like, you know, you just and also, you know, I would literally go into the studio and I have to explain to somebody what multi-track recording was, like let alone mixing and mastering. It's like, oh, you mean we can like play separately? I'm like, yeah, you know, that's that was the level when I started producing. Yeah. Now everyone knows multi-track recordings. Everyone's got a laptop with, with you know with Ableton or Logic or Pro Tools on. You can't pull the wool over their eyes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For years, we used to hide auto tuning. You know, now, like, you're going to tune my, tune my vocals. You know, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Or yeah. Will, no, will you tune my vocals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, the technology just keeps, and God, you know, goodness knows where we're going to be going in the next few years with, like, you know, how much AI is going to be involved in kind of mm-hmm. like the making of music. And, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you think technology's got to a point where it's stagnating. And then he re- then all of a sudden it's like bang, bang you know. Something big I remember comes. that transition yeah. from analog to digital. Yeah, that was a big thing. And I and I and I was recounted to somebody yesterday, uh, an engineer friend of mine in 1998. He, he was always very much on top of technology, and he, he came into the studio and said, "There's a thing called MP3s. It's going to change the music industry." I'm like, "Bullshit!" It's mm. Like three years later, it changed the whole industry. Yeah, you know the fact you could just attach a song to an yeah. email. And it's like, wow, you know, and I'm then creating this thing you know, called that, iTunes. Do you want to join me? Yeah. Like, you know, what, it, what is that? And yeah. And <laughs> I, this, this discussion came up because of like the way that music industry views, um, views AI or how it will view AI. There are two ways it could go. It could either go down the path of, right, will we embrace this technology and we'll go with it? Mm-hmm. Or the, or the path they took when it came to like Napster, say, where they would try to litigate their way out of it. So rather than go with the, te- with the, with the advancement of technology, they were like, we're going to make it, draw a line in the sand and we're going to litigate, we're going to try to litigate our way out of progress. And, um, you know, they ended up doing dumb things. Like I remember Sean Moore, the drummer for the Manchester Preachers, tell me he got a cease and desist letter from Sony Music 
for downloading his own music. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not a sustainable model. So the industry's going to have to look at how it, how, and we had this debate at the industry strategy meeting the other day. It was like, you know, how do you look at something that's going to fundamentally change the way we work? We've been, the music industry goes through it pretty much before any other industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we went through it all with analog to digital, we went through it all with like downloading and streaming. So it's going to be really interesting the way, you know, the AI is used and, mm-hmm. and it's like, and, 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 the, and, the, and the people that will be on the, the forefront of that are young producers yeah. and young artists. They will mm-hmm. be, they're already yeah. on it. You yeah. know, we're talking about it, they're doing it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you cannot stand in the way of technology. Like history has proven that, you know, whether it's, you know, the industrial machinery getting trashed because, you know, farm workers think it's going to take their jobs to the industrial revolution, to the technological revolution. It's like, you know, we've it's, you just got to look at history and you'll see, you can't stop it. It's going to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not of the Elon Musk kind of uh, persuasion where it's going to turn into Skynet and we're all going to get killed. <laughs> you know, I think there's, I think, you know, I think ultimately humanity will decide what the best use is, but yeah. maybe I'm hugely over-optimistic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm only around for another like 15, 20 years. So like, <laughs> I'm probably not going to, hopefully Skynet will not happen in the next 20 years, yeah. but you know. We shall, we shall see, but yeah, I, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in sort of, um, maybe I'm having too much faith in youth, but I think, you know, ultimately when my generation, you know, cause I'm essentially a boomer, uh, hard to believe I know, yeah. but I am technically a boomer and it's like, you know, my generation has got a lot to answer for. So it's like, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, I have faith that, you know, that, that young producers, young produ- music producers will rule the world, but yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. that's for someone else to find out <laughs> wonder how long we we need to wait to do a, a part two ai update with you greg yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll i'll just send my ai version yeah in. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i'll have downloaded my brain into my into my iphone 35 yeah and, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll sort of you know yeah part two let's go yeah it's um but yeah it's 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 music production is a really fascinating thing and it's like anything creative is a fascinating thing and it's just like you know, it's it's just you know. I'd always encourage young producers to sort of just stick with it because it's 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 hard. But mm-hmm. you know, it's that doesn't mean to say it's not. You know, the journey isn't great. You know, and mm-hmm. the journey is really it's been really really good to me. But I think it's uh, you know, and just enjoy the moment because that moment of creativity in the studio. Most people will never experience that mm-hmm. of just being in there and hearing something like you put one thing on a song that kind of transforms it into something that's you know on a ne- on the next level you know and they don't happen very often or or a singer will deliver a vocal that are just like you know you can feel the hair standing up on the back of your neck mm. and like you know you sort of like you know you can feel that you, you feel yourself welling up because it's so they've tapped into that emotional kind of like the emotion that you can like that that's kind of rare i mean most vocals are good you know you can got a lot of great singers but every so often someone will do something and it's like Oh my God, this is why I do this job, yeah. you know, for that moment. Yeah. And it's worth all the crap days yeah. you have in the studio yeah. for those few brief moments, you know? So yeah. it's just, um, you just got to hang in there and yeah. sort of like, you know, wait it out because they will arrive. Yeah. Can you describe your role at the moment, like at this point in your career, like what, what you would kind of be doing on a, say, maybe week to week or month to month? It kind of varies because like, Sort of towards the end of COVID and up until last of August, September, 
there was there was a lot of catching up to do with like records that we'd started and so it ended i ended up with this really intense kind of bout of work that was like i did I ended up doing nine albums in 14 months and nine albums five eps as long as like, i played on a couple of records as well and i remixed the chills um brave words album with scott seabright um, so there was that really intense body work and the European work started opening. So I was doing a lot of traveling back and forth to Europe to make albums over there. After I came back from the, the second trip to Europe, it was like, I'm kind of burnt out. You know, I, I love doing this work. So I, so I wanted to get back into doing some sort of industry stuff, like sort of I, the symposium program that I work on with Karen Rackman, who was Tarantino's music supervisor who now lives in New Zealand. Mm. So we so that's quite a long process where we we do upskilling programs and and uh, conferences for mu- music for film, TV, and and gaming. Um, there's the AMPS program. There's the MPG. So a lot of my days are kind of meetings, you know, sort of raising funding for for product producer things and and um so i kind of intersperse it so so now i'm trying to do it all at the same time i'll like i'll have a bout of recording and then and i'll and i'll stop doing all the industry stuff and then i will take us you know some time out like at the moment and work on a lot of industry programs and then i'll ease my way back into recording again so i one thing i realize i can't do it all and i've been playing a lot of live shows with troy kingy as well so mm. so it's like my every weekend on the summer's been out playing festivals with troy mm. so i mean that was quite interesting because I'm older than Troy's dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I'm not, I don't want to be out partying until like 1am with all, the, with all yeah. the brass players, you know. It's like, I'm too old for all that stuff. But it's been really interesting sort of going back and playing festivals again because the last time I played a lot of festivals as percussionists was with the Manic Street Preachers back in the early 2000s when we were doing Glastonbury and all that stuff. So, so it's been quite interesting to be dragged out of retirement, but you don't say no to Troy. You know, it's like, he's not a man you say no to. So would you like to do it? Yes, I will. You know, <laughs> and um, you know, because you you get a chance to work with a really amazing musician like that, you don't want to turn it down. Yeah. So my wife often says, "How come you've done so much stuff?" It's like because I can't say no to shit. Yeah, you know, and and that's that in itself is problematic. That's why I get burnt get get, get burnt out every now and again because yeah. I cannot say no to doing it. Yeah. you know, you're a self employed musician, and someone says, "Would you like to do that?" And you say yes. Mm. And it's like, and then you try and figure out how the hell you're going to fit it all in. Yeah, and I think that's you know it's. I struggle with that even after doing it for 40 years. So for young producers who, you know, you're always encouraging them to like take, take lots of work on because, you know, you need to you know, generate the income. And it's like, there is a downside, which is, you know, burnout and, um, you know, sort of like me- mental issues. And, you know, it's like, it's something we, we've got to address as an industry, mm-hmm. but you know, where do you draw the line? You know, it's like, I guess it, there is no one line to draw because every, every producer, every musician has a different capability when it comes to how much work they can do and what their family pressures are, what their pressures are at home, if they've got kids, you know, you know, my set of pressures are different because I don't have children. So I, so I, you know, it's like there, but then again, you know, I have, I need to be at home because I, you know, I, what's the point in being married if you're not at home working on, you know, sort of like spending time with your, with your partner. And, and so I, you know, you've got to find where this balance is. I've been very guilty of not finding that balance a lot over Mm -hmm. my lifetime. And that often results in kind of like, you know, smoking 40 cigarettes a day or you know also which i don't know there was a period where i did do um and then you you find other way other outlets and other ways to you know so Mm. it's yeah there is there is really 
to answer your question, it's kind of variable. It depends on, you know, what my capabilities are. And you also start to feel it as you get older. Like after every gig, my back's hurting, my legs are hurting. <laughs> you know, it's, it's um, and, uh, you know, I can't do the sort of, you know, four in the morning studio stuff anymore. So I try to limit it to like 10, 12 hour days, which is still a really long day, you know, but try to avoid those kind of crazy late nights where you walk out and it's getting light outside, you know. Mm-hmm. So we've all been there. So, you know, you feel a bit sick. (laughs) So, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me yammer on for like what seems like forever. It's been great, you know, and and like you said, you know, like you have covered a lot of areas, maybe not pinpointed like or pointed them out, but there's a lot, yeah, that that, um, our young people that that can listen to. I mean, you can cram a lot into like 40 odd, 40 to 43 years you know mm. sort of and it's like it's but it's an amazing industry to work in it's like you know yep. to be creative and 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 have that as part of your life every day yep. you know it's 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 really incredible but but there are pressures and there are i just i would just encourage young producers not to or you know you want to set your goals high but also you've got to temper your expectations as well. Mm. You might just end up being, you know, the solid second rower as opposed to the sort of like, you know, flash fly half, you know, yeah. or first five eighth or whatever you guys call it. <laughs> I'm Welsh, you know, they fly halves to me. And uh, uh, it's, and I think it's just, it's just being realistic and trying not to let social media pressures dictate what you should be doing, yeah. but find your own balance. Mm. You know, my wife will laugh, laugh at me saying, you got to find a balance in your life. It's like yeah. the most unbalanced person yeah. she probably has ever met. So, <laughs> But, you know, don't do as I I do, do as I say. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, and also join the Music Producers Guild. If you get any questions about, got any questions about producing, Mm. just, you can pick up the phone to me and talk to me about it. Mm. You know, it's just like, there is a, there's a free, there's a free tier now. There's the, there's the full membership and there's a free membership. So the free membership, you know, you get a lot of benefits. I mean, don't don't get get the contracts and the free software, but you get advice. You get to be part of a community, and we're out there fighting for producers' rights. And you know, we're part of the industry conversation about you know how producers should be recompensed. Mm-hmm. And just just jump on the website mpgnz.co.nz, join up to the free tier. Send me any questions you've got, or the team any questions. We've got really good executive committee, really good set of advisors. You know, we're part of a production community, so don't try and sort everything out yourself. Just get get in touch with us, yeah. and we'll we'll try and yeah. help you for the yeah. process. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think that's a really important thing. Is just it's pretty hard to kick off a career and continuously like avoid the admin kind of the small details yeah, you, can't. Of, you of, can't you of have career, to be on top right? of all that yeah. and it and i think everyone has to be happy with the fact that it does it takes time for the idea of like what's the difference between this and that a royalty and a you know and a mechanical stems and, and multi-tracks you know, and, and it, <laughs> it ta- yeah it, like it takes yeah. it takes time and you've got to hear it over and over and over again mm. and the the other side of that is that if you could just find someone that could answer the question and just be able to ask the question yep. um, and then, you know, have that little a little team, maybe two, three people that you can just at least make the first step. And we're so lucky that, you know, the guild is, is set up and you can do that at yep. least if you don't know anything and you're really wanting to ask a question, then th- there is a, a place 
that, that you can go. Yeah, and you know, and, and or you know, come to our gap. You know, we're, we're going to organise pretty regular gatherings of producers. Or any of the amps days, you know, most of them are free. Come along, you know, learn some stuff and meet other producers, and and, and you know, having that network and support network is like really important because it can be, you know, it's as we've discussed, it can be quite, you know, sort of, it can be a tough industry to work in so just to, just to have someone to, you can share that share those pro, those issues with i remember you know, like sitting down with um with a producer friend in in cardiff years ago and just um you know well recognized producer made lots of great records and we just sat and had a beer and we talked about stuff and it's like just as all right you hate bass players too it's like all right yeah that drummer's a nightmare it's like oh the blaming guitarist you know so we just like we just vented each other all the things that we <laughs> all the frustrations we had and felt a whole lot better after it yeah it's like oh talking about this stuff's good because yeah. he knew exactly where i was yeah. coming from and i knew exactly how he felt mm -hmm. and it's like i'm not dissing all bass players and just a lot of them and uh, <laughs> so this is a thing, a <laughs> yeah. thing i've got uh, it's just you know um and there are some great qualified there's some great bass players in new zealand you know i know many many good ones but I'm digging a really big hole for myself. No bass player will ever want to work with me again. <laughs> but just talking about the issues you have as a producer mm. is is a huge thing. You yeah. know, it really helped me, and and that's, that's probably the start point of art. Talking about the producers, that's a really good idea. Mm. You know, and I think it's um, I think you know, just get in a room and talk through stuff, and it's mm. like you can sort. Some problems are pretty easy to solve. Mm. They're not not just technical ones, but just like you know, how do you motivate an artist? You know, what do I do if this person's problematic in the studio? Mm. You know, how do I interact with them, and how do I sort of get all, get my sessions on an even keel where everyone's working for the same goal? Mm. And 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 most of that is psychological. It's not about gear or technology or anything. It's just about you know communication. You know, if I had to use one word for how to make a good record, it would be communication. Whether that's with the studio or with the, with your engineer or with the, with the musicians, you know, if you mm. can communicate properly and know or aim for aim for the same goal, then you, you're going to make better records because you're working towards you know, yeah. Path. And that path could could weave around and vary to get there. Yeah. But you you know, whether that's your choice of mix engineer or mastering engineer or just just have somewhere to aim to. Because mm -hmm. if you just flail away making a record, you will go off a lot of tangents and you might not ever get to the point you're trying to get to. Yep. And if you and the artist have got good communication and you, you know where you're going to go, that could be exchanging playlists or ideas or just sitting over a coffee and talking about music. Mm. You, you reach that, you find get to that point first before you even start the record. Mm. Just sit down, talk about stuff, you know, talk about music. What's not fun to talk about, you know? Talk about, hey, have you heard that record? It's amazing. Oh, the drums on that are real good, you know? It's like, oh, that guitar part is so good, you know? It's yeah. Like, you know, and you get, you know, you instantly feel the enthusiasm. Just saying that, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, those yeah. conversations are real vital and you build up that level of communication. The record's going to be real easy to make because you're all working towards the same goal. Yeah, once again, thank you, Greg. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you for your <laughs> I'm actually going hoarse from talking so much. I really appreciate what you guys do here. It's kind of like, it's super important. And it's, uh, yeah, anything we can do as the guild to help you guys out, you know, let us know or anything I can do personally. Just, yeah, you know where to reach me. We appreciate it. So I've had to rearrange yeah. it three times, but I got here in the yeah. end. But, yeah, that's producer's life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got <laughs> to be on. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. Cheers. You have been listening to The Way Through by Crescendo Studio. Your hosts were Reese Muir and David Arte. Sound design and engineering by Reese Muir. Produced by Joanne Luxton. 
Crescendo Studio offers music, audiobook, and podcast production. And all proceeds fund youth music mentoring programs.